Welcome to The Strong Room. I'm your host, Sherry McMillan. Did you know that shortly, by the year 2015, that the boomers and seniors will actually make up over half of the population in the age bracket of 65 plus? This is a very startling statistic, and it's the first time in North American history that this phenomenon has occurred. So today, we have invited back a guest of our program, Rhonda Latre. She is the president and co-founder of Age Friendly Business, and we're going to explore how it looks in our elder years for aging and also how it looks for our family. So there's a lot to learn today. Welcome back, Rhonda. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. We're delighted to have you. I thought we'd start with a reversal or a role reversal that we often don't think about. We often talk about caregiving our parent group, but in modern society, because we are living so long, there is something different approaching us, and it's called multi-generational households, and I thought we could start our discussion by exploring this idea. Yeah, it is very interesting. Do you know that uh, in Canada, nearly 4% of our population live in multi-generational households, where we have ultimately, typically, three different generations living under, under one roof, and you're right, Sherry, we often think of caregiving in terms of adult children looking after older parents. But what we're finding more and more is that grandparents are starting to take on a significant role and responsibility in rearing their grandchildren. I know in my own life experience, Rhonda, working with families that have shifted into retirement, it's often a challenge for them because sometimes they're not able to travel the way in which they thought they were going to because they do have the responsibilities of perhaps their own parents and then the grandchildren. Yes, and there's a, there's a concept that's called the skip generation household. And skip-generation households actually represent about 1% of all grandparents, and they're living with their grandchildren without any parent involved whatsoever. So they're the sole provider of of parental support for their grandchildren. Two-thirds of those are grandmothers, and... uh, They're taking on responsibility not only for raising the grandchildren, but also for all the financial responsibility of looking after them as well. So what are some of the challenges that these families will be facing in this phase of life? Well, let's go back then to the multi-generational households. And it provides a great opportunity for families, but it also, you know, gives an opportunity for there to be conflict and, and difficulties. We'll start with some of the advantages. Certainly with multi-generational households, there's the obvious advantage of financial support. So you're able to pool the finances and pool the, the expenses. You also have the advantage of exposing the grandchildren to their history. And especially when there's, there's a cultural element involved, give them a sense of where the culture, where the traditions come from, and how that influences their life. And that continuity can make for a very enriching experience for the grandchildren as well as the grandparents. It gives the, the grandparents an opportunity to have another demonstration of their significance, what they can contribute, how they can serve. And again, it goes back to what we talked about before, did I matter and making sense of that all and passing that on to the next generation. Certainly, it can help parents who are trying to juggle child-rearing and career by taking on some of the responsibilities with child-rearing. So there's an opportunity for bonding, for you know, family dynamics being enriched with a sense of history and support. But, of course, when you have different generations and people living all under one roof, 
there's also the opportunity for some conflict. For sure. And I thought it would be good to explore these areas because there are certainly disadvantages. And if we go in with our eyes open, it does certainly help. Absolutely. If we go in with our eyes open and we have open communication and we're willing to admit that there's going to be tensions, there's going to be the opportunity for for differences, and we plan ahead of time about how we're going to identify them, acknowledge them, and make a commitment to problem-solve them, I think that really sets up the family for success. You know, it can be uh, just even starting with space. What does personal space mean for the family? And so how is personal space in our family respected and adhered to? Does that mean that we always knock on a door before we enter someone's bedroom, for instance? What does personal space mean for a teenager or for a young person versus an older person? What about access to entertainment? When you have multi-generational families, uh, what does that mean in terms of, for instance, a teenager's ability to invite friends over? Uh, how frequently is that allowed? Do they have some private space to, to be together? and to share time together. Uh, what about an older person? Do they have an opportunity to, to have their friends over and have some private space as well? And what about the nature of the entertainment? It's unrealistic to not expect someone, <laughs> or for instance teenagers, to play the kind of music that they enjoy. And what about the decibel level? You know, when is that okay? When is that not okay? So all the way from entertainment and also, what's an important uh, point to think about as well is what about the opportunity in multi-generational families for, for instance, the grandparent to perhaps even have some private time with the grandchildren, the parents to have some private time with their own children, as well as group family time, and recognizing that that's critical and that's important. So it sounds like, Rhonda, in your expertise, that there's a lot of boundary setting that has to occur for this to be successful. Well put, boundary setting, and even discussion about what that is and what's important. You know, we look at, as well, child-rearing techniques. So, for instance, the adult children may have a different approach to child-rearing from, for instance, the grandparents. And where are the boundaries around that? How is that going to be identified and respected? And what about uh, nutritional preferences? For instance, especially when there's first and second generation from other cultures, the grandparents may want the traditional food choices to be made available in the household, and maybe the, the grandchildren want to have a more Western diet or a more Western approach and tradition. That's important that that's identified and, and clarified right up front as well. Now, I think there's a misconception in society that our governments are going to be providing for elder care and that we won't need to live together as family units. In fact, this is changing. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, in, in Canada, we've enjoyed a lot of social resources, no question. And I think it's set up almost an expectation that the government is always going to be there to look after us. And frankly, you know, that's just unrealistic nowadays. Certainly in Canada, no one is going to be left on the street by choice, that's for sure. But what we do find, if we don't do some good planning ahead of time, and have the financial resources to be able to choose where we want to live, that although there are social resources available, we often lose our choices where that is. So we may be obligated to take advantage of a care facility that's not in a community that we choose. Or we may be away from our loved ones. And, you know, it really doesn't matter if we're in a care facility, Sherry. It doesn't matter whether we are 
oh gosh, five miles away or 500 miles away. When you have that disconnection from your community, your family, and your friends, it could be like a, like a whole country difference. Now, Rhonda, in my years of experience of working with you, another area that's often overlooked is the word elder abuse. Oh, boy, that's a really important area. We could do, we could do a whole show on that. You know, with reference to multi-generational families that we were talking about, Sherry, I think it's important to recognize that when you have different generations living under one roof and there's the potential for tension, there's also the potential for exploitation and abuse. You know, it can start even with uh, an expectation that, uh, that grandparents are there, so they're going to be responsible for all of the caregiving, that they're responsible for all of the babysitting or maybe all of the meal preparation and, and really exploiting the, you know, the contribution of an older person in the home all the way to uh, a level of abuse that includes physical abuse, psychological abuse, and, you know, there's a form of abuse that's, that's equally detrimental, and that's by failing to provide some basic fundamental human rights, like the right to privacy, the right to self-determination. And I think it's a very interesting field because I know even the government agencies such as the police and RCMP, they have actually elaborated their policing by creating an actual program for elder abuse so there can be actual authentic reporting. Yes, and, and that's a, an area that's developing throughout Canada. In addition to police uh, services having victim services in each of our communities, as you said, Sherry, a number are also having a special elder abuse uh, squad, and they're trained specifically in helping older persons in, in identifying and, and reporting elder abuse. And I think you can appreciate this is an area that's very difficult with a high reluctance to report and to deal with it. The great part is we are creating opportunities for appropriate care for our elders. And I think because we are living so long, all of us, we need these supporting services. Absolutely. You know, a new area that we really need to, to deal with as well is the area of spousal assault for, for older women. You know, we have a number of transition home programs for younger women who are experiencing spousal assault, but think about the, the additional implications that that has for an older person, and often it's quite difficult when you're placing an older person into a transition home that uh, has a lot of children, it can be noisy, and there's a whole different dynamic, and we need to respect that older women need special services in this area. Thank you, Rhonda. It's very informative, all the support that we do have in the community. We, of course, also invite you to our website. It's strongroom.ca if you'd like to learn more about the aging process. And we're going to come back after the break and talk about caregiving as a child to an elder parent. I'm Sherry McMillan. This is The Strong Room.